We're through 60 minutes and beyond. This is the Flames Talk Post Game Show, now available on Apple and Spotify. Here's Pat Steinberg. Your final score from Arizona tonight, Coyotes 4, Flames 3 in overtime as we get our Flames Talk Post Game Show underway on a Tuesday night from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. If you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings, contact them today for a free estimate. For all things basementy, visit DLBasement.com. Systems.com. Flames Talk Post Game is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Pat Steinberg with Peter Labardius and Derek Wills. And Lou, uh, a night where the Flames get plenty of shots, but they don't get plenty of real quality scoring opportunities. Coyotes stuck to their game plan and the loose team not playing for a whole lot able to get the two points against the team that's playing for everything right now and another frustrating night if you're a Flames fan this time in Arizona. Pat after the eight minute mark outside of a few stretches here and there I just didn't think they executed very well and we can talk all we want about doubling up people on shots but this, again, was another night where if you give up 20 or 22, but 11 to 15 have a great chance to score on your net, mm-hmm. that's what I care about. I don't care if you get 70 if you get outchanced and they have 22. And that, to me, is a story that probably hasn't been told enough. The shots are great. Yes, you should probably score a little bit more, but this team can be a very shot volume and perimeter shot volume type team. Yep. And I just, I didn't like the last 50 minutes outside of probably the last six or seven when they were desperate and got the equalizer. And frankly, you couldn't have two better chances in the dying seconds. Huh. Then the one Huberto set up, and then the one he redirected. Unlike Friday's tough-to-watch 3-1 loss to the Ducks, I, I don't think that effort was an issue tonight. It was more about the execution for me. They just they had a hard time making plays again. And we talked about the need for the Flames' top players to be their top players. And I thought most of them were really good in that 5-1 victory over the Senators on Sunday. I don't know if you guys saw it the same way, but I would say not enough of them were good in this 4-3 overtime loss to the Coyotes tonight. I thought it was another tough game, even though he did score a goal. Um, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau didn't create as much. Uh, Nazem Kadri, I thought, had a tough night. And you're playing against the Coyotes team with their number two goaltender with six relatively inexperienced defensemen, and they were down to five in the third period, and you should be able to take advantage of that. Yep. And it's, it's same old, same old. You know, it. I hate sounding like a broken record, but it's it's hard to try to break down these games without sounding like a broken record because it seems to be a very similar script from night to night most of the time, doesn't it? Well, when the storyline is the same, how do you talk about it different? Yep, You almost have no choice but to sound like a broken record, which we have on many occasions on this Flames Talk postgame show so far this year. And, you know, I, I... it, it reminded me in a lot of ways of Friday. They get the point, unlike the game on Friday. Um, and and the, the way it reminded me most about Friday is, again, 
That's an Arizona team that I, I give the Coyotes credit. They played with jump. They know that they don't have the same talent, but there was no tightness. They were loose. They were aggressive at times. They got some great performances, whether it was Yusuf Alamaki's two assists, whether it was Clayton Keller who continues to roll. It almost feels like the same story. I remember sitting there listening to, I think I think you were talking to Huskalu on Friday ahead of the, the Ducks game. Yeah, it was, Ryan. And, and he talked about players on the other side that can hurt you. They still have skilled players. And Derek, those guys got the Flames tonight. You give, you give them that little bit, and they're going to take it, especially when you're playing a loose team with nothing to lose. I mean, I thought that Clayton Keller was the best player on the ice tonight. He was dangerous on almost every shift, but he wasn't the only one. Uh, Barrett Hayton also had a couple of points. Uh, so did Matthias Michelli. Uh, even Yusuf Alamaki, who has uh, found new life since leaving the Flames and going to the Coyotes, uh, he had a couple of points tonight. And again, and, and Lou, you've talked a lot about it. You know, it's, it's a misleading stat shots on goal and, and shot attempts, at least sometimes. And tonight was one of those nights for me because the Flames had uh, the high shot volume that uh, Daryl Sutter looks for, but weren't able to create a lot of second and third opportunities. And it, it felt like every second time the Coyotes got a shot on goal, there was a great A chance yep. that came with it. So that's tough on the goaltender. And so is playing in these one-goal games all the time. There's just absolutely no room for error. I've already had one person tweet at me that they think it's Jacob Markstrom's fault that the team lost, didn't like the overtime goal. Well, it was a two-on-one and three-on-three overtime. Like, how much do you want from him? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be pushing back pretty hard on the anti-Markstrom mob if it's out tonight on the phone lines or, or the, the text line. I just, I, I don't think the way the group played tonight, you can go down that road at all. The guy has been their best player for two straight weeks here because it was two weeks ago that he came in in relief of Dan Vladar exactly two weeks ago against Boston, and since the second period of that hockey game. The, to me, it hasn't been close who nope. their best player has been. Or or if it has, it's the guy we're watching right now, number 11, Michael Backlund. It's, it, it, it really has been Markstrom or Backlund is the guy's driving the bus here. So, no, I'll uh, I I will um, I'll back you up on that one. Well, and the Flames were certainly far from being at their best tonight. But with that said, another night where they don't get a lot of puck luck. So think about the two or three chances they had right before the buzzer sounded to end the third period. Could have easily won the game there. And then on the game-winning goal in overtime, you know, two-on-one, Jacob Markstrom stops the shot from Yusuf Alamaki. Puck sits in front of him. He swats at it to try to bat it out of harm's way. It literally jumps right over the paddle of his goal stick and right to Travis Boyd, who chops the puck into the top corner of the yep. net. And I, I do think there is some truth in the saying that you make your own luck. But tonight... <laughs> The Flames could have used a, a little bit more puck luck. They didn't get it, but you know what? The Coyotes, I give them a lot of credit. Uh, not nearly as much talent as the Flames, but uh, you guys both talked about it. They're playing loose right now. And the other thing that I think they have working to their advantage as they stretch their point streak to six games, teams A are taking them lightly, and B, the Coyotes know they don't have as much talent as probably almost every other team in this league. So they understand that they have to outwork their opponent to have any chance to keep games close or win games. And they've been bringing it. You've got to give Andre Tournier and that, that team a lot of credit. Uh, 
not even close, the amount of talent on these two teams tonight. But uh, the uh, team with uh, not as much talent uh, beat the team with uh, more talent than... Uh, they have not been as good as the sum of their parts, is what I would say this season. Yep. Um... Well, a couple ways to go. Let's let's go save of the game first. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Jacob Markstrom made his seventh consecutive start, and uh, Jacob Markstrom's save of the game comes in period number two. And Mangiapane in there, the forecheck can't come up with the puck. Here comes Michelli the other way. Saucers at right wing side to Kraus. Kraus drives it in, and is stopped by Markstrom. Made a backhand to forehand move, but Markstrom gets his right pad on the puck to make one of his better saves tonight. It's one of the 21 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit shaneholmes.com, the better way to build. Nothing I saw tonight, Lou, would um, uh, deter me from going right back to him against Vegas on Thursday. That's that's the We don't have to spend much time on it because uh, it's not it's not our favorite topic, but uh, I'm going right back to him against the Oh, Knights. absolutely. Without question. Yep. No doubt about it. Uh, I did want to ask you, though, about the marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Now, we were focusing on Elias Lindholm, but I'll spin it out j more on just Lindholm. What do you think of center ice played tonight from the Flames, Lou? Good for Backland. A mixed bag for Lindholm. And not good enough from number 91. And fine from Trevor. Because you always get yep. solid and consistent from him. Ditto. Yep. Uh, okay. Final piece of business to take care of with you two gentlemen. It is time for tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Lou, which way are you leaning after a 4-3 overtime loss in Arizona? I am going to go Pat tonight, and not the easiest night to pick it. I'm going to go with Rasmus Anderson tonight. Thought he played hard. He had five shots. He had an assist. He played almost 24 minutes. Wasn't perfect, but it wasn't perfect for anyone. But I'm going to go with number four tonight. Rasmus Anderson is your player with heart. It's brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.com. .ca. Uh, as we continue along, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line is open at 960-960. Stay with us. Head coach Daryl Sutter very shortly. And well, we'll head back to Mullet Arena and get some post-game reaction from the Flames as well. Before we do that, though, some final thoughts from our broadcast duo of Derek and Lou, starting with Mr. Wills. Well, same old story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... 41 goal games, 25 one goal losses, 11 overtime losses, uh, 20 losses when out shooting your opponent by 10 or more, which is an NHL record. Just hard to wrap my head around what has happened to the Flames this season. Uh, they're at fault for a lot of it. Uh, some of it, I think, is pretty unexplainable, but just not good enough against the Coyotes team that on paper they're way better than. And you know, the Flames have a lot more to play for than the Coyotes. And the Coyotes still found a way to stretch their point streak to six games and snap their seven-game losing streak versus the Flames. And I know they got outshot 45-25, to 25, but I can't sit here and say that the Coyotes didn't deserve to win that hockey game, yep. which, from a Flames perspective, is unsettling. 
because they had a chance to get to within four points of a playoff spot, same number of games played as the Jets, and again, they left a point on the table against a non-playoff team. They've been way better against good teams than against not-so-good teams this season. The Flames 16-12-8 versus playoff teams, and now 14-12-6 versus non-playoff teams. We talked about it on Flames Talk uh, earlier on this Tuesday, and I'll reiterate it again. Flames don't have a lot of room for error left in their final well, 15 and now 14 games. They're going to have to be a lot better against the teams they should beat. And having left so many points on the table against those teams this season, they're going to have to find a way to win some games that we aren't expecting them to win down the stretch. And if they don't, they will not be heading to the Stanley Cup playoffs for a second straight season. Hockey is a 60 and sometimes 60 plus minute game. I like this team tonight for about 15 of the 63. Didn't think they managed the puck well. Didn't think they put enough pressure on Arizona's defense. And to the Coyotes' credit, they managed it better. They were more connected. And their best player and best players were better than the Flames' best players. Thank you, boys. You're welcome. Good night, Pat. Derek Wills, Peter Labardius signing off on this Tuesday night. It's Pat Steinberg along with you as we continue along on our Flames Talk postgame show. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. If you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings, contact them today for a free estimate. For all things basementy, visit dlbasementsystems.com. We'll chat with Walker Dewar around the corner. Your phone calls and texts around the corner as well. 4-3 overtime loss on the road in Arizona. This is Alpine Credits Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Let's continue breaking down the game, plus take your calls and texts. This is the Flames Talk postgame show on Sportsnet 960, the fan or on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Final score, Flames fall 4-3 in overtime on the road in Arizona as we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head immediately back to Mullet Arena in Arizona and check in with one of tonight's goal scorers, Walker Dewar joins us right now. Walker, uh, a hard-fought kind of back-and-forth game. How do you uh, how do you sum this one up for the group tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, wasn't our best effort, I don't think, for a full 60, but uh, found a way to get a push there, but just weren't, weren't able to get it done in overtime. What, uh, what made it so difficult to kind of get to your game for long stretches of time, which it just kind of seemed like uh, the group had trouble doing tonight. Um, yeah, you know, I just thought we kind of strayed away from the game plan and bits and pieces of the game, but uh, when we were able to get onto our game plan, it definitely worked, so uh, yeah, we just weren't able to do that for a full 60. Do you, uh, there, there's been a lot of talk about how, you know, even, even I heard Troy Stetcher talking about it before tonight's game, about the idea of the, the difficulty of taking on teams who are playing loose and, and don't have a ton of standings implication left. Can that be difficult to, to play against those teams at this time of year? Yeah, I mean, in, in a sense, right, they, they have nothing to lose. So they're a high-risk, high-reward team. So if we're 
caught sleeping for a second and not know where all five guys of them are on the ice. They're a highly skilled team, and they can make you pay if they get their chances. And finally, just walk us through uh, your goal early in the second period that tied this game at two. Um, yeah, I thought the D did a great job just transitioning there. I think it was handy, and then moving it up to Luch, and Luch was able to get it over to me and just tried to pull it through there and get a shot, and I uh, was able to go in there. Walker, appreciate the time. Congrats on the goal, and good luck Thursday in Vegas. Thanks for doing this. Yep, thank you very much. That is Walker Dewar postgame from Arizona where the Flames fall 4-3 in overtime to the Coyotes on this Tuesday night. Let's go right from Walker Dewar to head coach Daryl Sutter who's just wrapped up his postgame thoughts following tonight's setback against the Coyotes. Maybe just take us through this, uh, this night. I didn't really like our first period. I thought it was kind of inconsistent with some of, our, some of our guys, but then I thought in the second we were a lot better. We had a couple couple adjustments in terms of getting around pucks, moving better. I think we uh, answered back twice on goals. I think Walker's goal after uh, I'm not sure we could have shot it or not got it in at on, the, on their goal. Yeah. Then Walker comes back and scores, makes it and then uh, uh, irresponsible play on their power play, on our power play for the shorty goal. Uh, then Johnny scores a big goal, so you need somebody to make the difference in overtime. Is it uh, more of a pace thing in the first thing you were talking about in terms yeah, of? Yeah, guys getting around pucks, guys standing still with the puck instead of skating with pucks. Overtime, we've seen lots of patient versions of it, but how was it uh, maybe more difficult to get the puck back once they had it tonight, or what did you say? Well, I think the first shift, obviously, they got, uh, you know, they had the puck the whole minute and a half, the killer line, but then, uh, then you you got to get the puck and keep it. You know, we had a couple. The next two shifts are fine. And then, uh, the overtime goal, now it's, you know, you stay, should stay with this guy, which I'm thinking he was, and then uh, Elch can't go. Loses his man. Do you ever seen anything quite like the overtime situation here? You've seen a lot in this game, and certainly you've talked about it a lot, but just the irony of it all, have you ever seen quite like this? Yeah, you know what? I, I quite honest. You play a complete game, you shouldn't have that many overtime games, right? So it's, that's that's one part of it. The next part is then you need guys to make a difference, right? When you win face-offs and you have control of the puck, you need a D-man to make a play, you need forwards to drive through, things like that. And uh, that hasn't been consistent enough, that's for sure. You had a couple of chances, I think 10 seconds left in regulation there that could have... Probably two or three there. Yeah. And it's hard to tell from the bench, but those are probably, our, and quite honestly, are probably our best chances in the third, too. Yeah. I mean, they only had, I don't know what the shots were in the third, but I don't know if, other than, other than the shorty goal, I'm not sure they had any shots, did they? There you go, head coach Daryl Sutter, post-game, following tonight's 4-3 overtime loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, as we continue along in your Flames Talk post-game show, phone lines are open, 403-240-4444. Couple of lines still open if you want to jump in right now. Into the text line we go at 960-960 as uh, we dive in on the text line right now. I uh, just wanted to say to Glenn, who sent in... <laughs> I, I, I tongue-in-cheek responded to him about it being an unsettling text. I'm not going to read it, but it was uh, very clever, but slightly unsettling, Glenn, if you're, uh, if you're still listening right now. Um, here we go. Um, this is Pat. 
This is from Mike. I think I've seen this game before. Just to confirm, Sportsnet's just replaying the 2021 season all over again, right? Also, does Clayton Keller remind you of Johnny Gaudreau at all? Stylistically, they're almost carbon copies of one another. Um, I can confirm that no, they are not replaying uh, the 2021 season. There are fans in the building, so uh, they are not, but Dang, does it feel like it a lot of times, hey? Uh, as for Clayton Keller, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of similarities there. Uh, I think Keller's a little bit more of a, um, like, Keller's offense has been strong, but I think a little bit longer of a development for him to turn into a premier point producer in the league, which he is now, and will only get better as Arizona gets better. He's got 60, sorry, 71 now in 68 games. So it's it's starting to really pop for him. Um, and, and it's maybe been a little bit of a slower process. Like Johnny Gaudreau was a Calder Trophy finalist in year one. It's been a little slower for Keller, but now we're Keller is yeah I can absolutely see some similarities there Mike for sure uh this from Jamie I've seen enough from this team this year to know they're a C-minus team. They belong in the NHL. They can beat any team if they try, but they don't try often enough. And when they don't try, they're not good enough to beat anyone. C-minus, good enough to be in the conversation, but not good enough to win. Bad enough to lose to beat Arizona, uh, to Arizona rather, with their literal season on the line, but not bad enough to earn a good enough draft pick to change their fortunes. 30 years of mostly waffling on the fence is getting pretty tired. That comes from Jamie. I don't think it's necessarily a a try factor um, but it was more of a situation where I, I think this group is tight right now I think this guy's not this this team these guys are not playing with a ton of belief so yeah I uh, I, I think that I, I don't I don't think it's a lack of effort or caring or anything like that I think it's a lack of belief if if anything and just kind of they're just not a cohesive team right now. It's very, very disjointed. I uh, just wanted to uh, make a quick correction, thanks to our uh, buddy Mike, uh, who texted me. Keller actually got off to a great start, had 65 points in his rookie year, and was a Calder Trophy finalist like Gaudreau. But the difference is, is that the points didn't kind of take off from there. He had a couple of down offensive years compared to his rookie season, which I think is fair for the struggles that the Coyotes have had, but now he's really turned into that guy. And it's been, you know, for Johnny, he was always, from the rookie season on, uh, a premier offensive guy. It's kind of dipped a little, or it kind of dipped a little bit for Keller before he has got back the last two seasons to being pretty much a point-per-game player. This year, 71 points in 68 games. So it's been a little bit of a longer development in that regard for Keller, but he's certainly put himself into that conversation. And again, I, I do see the similarities in their games. Uh, this reads, it's become very obvious what's going on with the Flames. There's something wrong with the room there's no continuity and they just don't seem to want to play for each other or the coach a successful team is full of guys that hate to lose they don't have enough of those guys there's a handful Markstrom Backlund Coleman Tanev and a couple more I'm also very disappointed in Bonjapani. he's a completely different player than last year just doesn't seem to have the same work ethic and determination he had last year you couldn't take the puck from him last year or move him from in front of the net this year it's just not there you know on the Bonjapani front I did not feel like he was 
all that poor tonight for the first stretch of the game. Uh, for the first half of the game, he was one of their better players, and then everybody kind of dropped off as the game went along. Now, when you take a look at the production from one year compared to the next, yes, it has been a disappointing year for Andrew Mangiapane, no doubt about it. Sam writes, Pat, another disappointing game tonight. The Flames continue to play a non-desperation brand of hockey against non-playoff opponents. I would go on record and say the Flames are most non-dangerous, the most non-dangerous squad in overtime. How can we as fans continue to have hope for a playoff push with this group this season? I think as we approach curtain call in the coming couple of games, what could we expect to see or when could we ex expect to see a couple of call-ups? Phillips, Pedersen, and I really think Lucic needs to come out for a game or two as his play is dropped right off and get Ruzicka back in the lineup. I would get Ruzicka back in the lineup um, pretty quickly. I know that it has not been a great last little bit for him, but add a little bit more. Uh, if you go Rizicka, Lewis, Dewar on the fourth line, I'd like to see that. I'm with you. Lucic's game has really dropped off. I quite like Lewis and Dewar tonight, but I thought Lucic struggled again. So, yeah, I would absolutely think about doing that uh, going forward. As for call-ups, I think they're going to have to be further out of it, and I think it's going to have to either be clinched or a foregone conclusion that the playoffs aren't going to happen. And yes, I know that right now you'd be screaming at your speaker saying, Pat, it's already a foregone conclusion. I get that, but the gap is five points. If if it's five points, you know, with seven or eight games remaining, then maybe it's the time to do that. As of right now, I just I don't think it's that time. I, I think just from a straight up professionalism standpoint, you still got to go with your best lineup, even if. Um, on the outside, many believe it's all she wrote. Uh, this reads, Calgary's not making the playoffs, nor do they deserve to. Disappointment engaged. Uh, this from the Beeve, I just can't be Team Daryl anymore. Forcing things like Kadri and Huberdeau when it doesn't work. When was the last time Huberdeau and their best goal scorer Lindholm got to play together? Looked like magic for 30 seconds. Daryl coached and plays this team like they have no talent. Lots of shots, no chances. 20 losses with 10 plus shot difference. The power play, don't even get me started. Why is Lucic still in the lineup? This reads, does Nazem Kadri even care at all lazy line changes brutal giveaways clearly caused the shorty is it wrong to think this guy should be a healthy scratch um i mean look they need nazim kadri to be way better than he has been it can't be once every few games i thought he was great against dallas i thought he was great against ottawa yeah, he was really, really poor for his standards tonight. That can't happen. And it wasn't just the giveaway on the shorthanded goal, which was egregious, but also, you know, he was he was um, a turnover machine at the offensive blue line. Pucks were not getting deep. Simple plays. Lou and I looked at each other on, on one play that could have been a real nice um, dump into the left corner on a three-on-three -three entry that the Flames had some speed and some skating and could have easily retrieved a puck. And instead of going to the corner, he put it right in on net. Ingram uh, made the easy stop, corralled it, and the Coyotes were out the other way. And it's like it's it's he does not seem like he is dialed mentally right now, and they need him to be dialed mentally. I can tell you this. I know Huberdeau scored, but I thought Huberdeau was quite invisible for good chunks of this hockey game as well. In the final 14 games, if Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri are not regular drivers away from the puck and offensively, then this team will not 
make it even interesting. That game against Winnipeg with four to go won't mean a thing if they don't start to be more consistent drivers. And that's not just scoring. It's their overall game. And again, it's not like they're getting the toughest matchups. Backlund and Lindholm get the tough matchups at home and on the road. It's got to be better. It just does. Uh, what else we got here? This from Jim and Red Deer. Pat Codry had a terrible game. His poor puck management gave the Yotes two great scoring chances, and they capitalized on one. Uh, I agree. Uh, this from another Jim. One of these nights, I'll stay on the phone long enough to get to talk to you. Emotionally cheering for the Flames, it's like the yo-yo being on the end of the string. They are 62.5% at being successful losing one-goal games, especially against teams with losing records. They do pull on that string, but more often than not, that yo-yo ends up on the bottom. Almost time to look forward to next year. Still hope, but not much. Um... This says, from Noah, I should really expect nothing more from this team. Pathetic, absolutely pathetic, disgrace, a joke, and it's honestly getting to the point where it's sad and hilarious. Um, this reads... Trying to uh, get to some that I can actually read that aren't uh, all jumbled up and in 17 different <laughs> messages. Um, this from Rick. Pat, I agree that execution was sad sack for two-thirds of this game. Also, Daryl needs reprogramming on his overtime personnel deployment. They just don't seem to get the possession his king need during the two-on-one breakaway contest. Markstrom was good once again, by the way. Can't say the same about Kadri or Manjapani for starters. Uh, go Flames. This says that game's definitely not on Markstrom. So many two-on-ones given to Arizona, and he stopped almost all of them. He can only do so much. Uh, this reads from, I believe this is uh, Dylan and Revelstoke. I can't fathom how people can't see how much of a liability Manjapani is. His advanced metrics are great because he plays with the two best possession forwards on the team. Then he gets the puck and falls over. He causes so many freaking giveaways by falling down. It's absurd. I know you don't agree with me, but you got to watch because it's pretty obvious, blatantly obvious, he spent half the game on his belly again. Uh, this reads, anybody that thinks this team has a chance at the playoffs is crazy. They need to try to lose the remaining games and get themselves a great young draft pick. We all know that doesn't, doesn't happen, but I can understand as a fan why you'd be like, yeah, maybe it uh, would make sense or, or it would be better organizationally for that to happen. Um, this from Franny, do you like apples, Daryl? Valimaki with two points against the team that gave him away. How do you like them apples? This from Stafford and Boness. Pat, I really admire those of you that still believe, but seriously, this season was lost in December. Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan, have been since they moved here and became a season ticket holder two years ago, but this turkey's done. I'm a realist, not a daydream believer. They're simply not good enough to be a postseason contender. Uh, the sooner... The wishful thinkers accept that, the easier they'll be able to handle the disappointment when the reality finally sinks in. This from Larry. Pat, yet again, every second year, they do nothing at the deadline to plan for the future, and I predict we'll play well enough to finish ninth yet again. Take Nashville this year, or Montreal last year, I believe. They sell off assets to plan for the future and still play better than Calgary. A guy should be getting rich off the predictability of this team against below 500 teams. Just disgusting. Uh, this reads, another former flame we lost for free hurts us and possibly ends our season. This is Brad's fault. Ownership better not re-sign him. They need a new GM that will not let assets walk for free and is committed to developing talent. I will say that I think Brad True Living owns part of the Yusuf Valimaki situation, but I think Daryl Sutter owns a good chunk of it as well. 
let's be perfectly honest. Daryl ran that guy over multiple times, and I get it that, that Daryl is a very demanding coach, and I get it that he has extremely high expectations and there is next to no leash with young players. I understand that. And you know what? I think it's worked with a guy like Dylan Dubé. I think it's made Dubé better. But not everybody reacts to things the same, and I think the way that the coaching handled Yusuf Valamaki, I would put more to blame on that than management. Now, I think Tree has to own some of it too because as the general manager, you know, you still need to be in a situation where you you manage assets properly. I, I think there's plenty of responsibility to go around. Now, at the time, do I think that them putting him on waivers was the correct call? Yes, in October of this season, sure. But you have to look at what led to that, and that's where the criticism, I think, is valid. That's where the criticism, I think, should come in, and I, I think a lot of the criticism is fair. Uh, this from Ross. I'm afraid the season's over for the Flames. They just can't win the games they need to, so they'd be no better in the playoffs. I'm trying to understand why people say the Flames are made for the playoffs. They're nowhere near competing in the playoffs. They're an older team, and it showed tonight versus a younger Coyotes lineup. Sutter will be given his walking papers in the offseason, and I doubt Treliving will be with the Flames moving forward. The Flames, unfortunately, look like a defeated team that wants the season to end. I hope we can get some youth on this team so they can at least get behind players that have some spirit and are excited to be here i don't i don't know if walking papers are going to be served this summer i would be surprised if if that were to be the case to be perfectly honest uh and finally hello pat it's just so laughable this flames team another loss to a team they should beat i think it's time not to say a team they should beat this team is lost. There you go. 960-960. Lots more to get to on the text line as we continue along on your Flames Talk post-game show. My name is Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Flames lose 4-3 in overtime to the Arizona Coyotes. Now to the phone lines we go at 403-240-4444, and we kick it off by saying hello to Tim. What's going on, Tim? You're kicking us off on the phone lines tonight. Hey, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Good. That's good. Uh, I haven't phoned in for a couple games, but there's been some good ones in there, I guess. Um, I just had a couple things. Uh, someone else already texted in about Majapani. That's a, that's the one that's driving me nuts right now. Just sort of watching him. Like I know he's playing stats-wise great with that line, but it just feels like you could put. Well, I think I mean Backlund. Put uh, someone Backlund, else there. Majapani right? hasn't had a point in ten straight games, so that's yeah, got That's like, got to change. Like I just feel, and I know, I know they're pushing for the playoffs, but I'd like to see them move him up. And see what what he is like. Put him beside, put him beside in his off wing beside Huberto, and okay, score. Prove prove you're worth the money you're paid. Like you're not paid to be a third line player. Like I think you could have played a couple different guys. You could have played Rizika beside Backlund and Coleman, and I think you would have just got a, maybe a little bit less. But I don't know. I just feel like he's you're overpaying him for where he sits in the lineup. I don't know. I mean, he's not. I, I don't know if they're I, like I don't look at that line as a third line. To be perfectly honest with you, Tim, I don't. They're I look at them in a lot of ways as Calgary's first line. So I don't I don't know if I quite like I agree that Manjapani needs to give him more. I, I'm not going to dispute that. But just look at it. I don't I don't look at it as like 
Manjapani played as much as Toffoli did. Uh, if you go left wing to left wing, Manjapani played more than Pelche, and he played more than Huberto by more than three minutes. So I think I think Manjapani like that line's your first line right now. I, I don't like. I know that salary wise it's not, but straight up responsibility and what they're being asked to do and the amount they're being played and how they're being played. The back of the line's the first line right now. I just feel like it's like, I think Backlund and, Col- Backlund and Coleman, like, okay, if it's not third line, we can admit they Backlund played well, right? Definitely played well. Coleman's played well beside Backlund. I think they get a lot of times they match. I think the other game they matched up mostly against the top line and the other two lines got to be what they wanted, right? Like they, that was what Sutter was talking about in Ottawa. Like Backlund was always well. Backlund typically line. home and road takes on the most yeah. difficult matchups for sure. Yeah, so I think in that situation, that's great. That stats-wise, Magipani, you can look at the stats. And say, look at the stats. So what? Are, is, what are you trying is, to say here, Tim? Like you want to move? You want to move to another line, right? I, I would like to see him put on a line and and given the chance to be a scorer. And to see what we have, like, is he a scorer? Like, he's, he's making five point eight million dollars. Like, I mean, I think I don't think Manjapani's a thirty-five goal guy. I think that on a year-to-year basis, he's probably closer to a twenty to twenty-five goal guy. But uh, yeah, I just feel like you could put a lot of people beside Backlund and Coleman and get a similar result. And I think I think you're looking for a scorer a little higher up, maybe. I don't know. I just like to see what Magipani is. I feel like it's money right now wasted. Um, it's been I, it's that. been a it's been a down year. Um, there's no doubt about it. And money wasted. I think that's a little harsh because yeah. he's been one of the best value players in the NHL for the last you know um, four or five years. So yeah, I, well, yeah, before I, I this contract. but I get it. Year one of the new contract has not been strong, and yeah. they need more from him next season. And if they're going to want to make this thing interesting, they're going to need more from him the rest of the season. What else are we talking about tonight, Tim? Um, don't, the other thing was I just the thing that bugged me in the third was the uh, watching them like they got that goal, and that was there's a little bit of luck, like a fair amount of luck in that. But watching that play where they come in the zone, they rim it around the boards to the other side to the other forward, and there's no forward ever going to the net. Like, I don't understand. Maybe they're not fast enough, but it just feels like there's never, like, that defense. You didn't put the pressure on them to stop the guy going to the net. You know, a lot of, like, watching that third period, it was brutal. It's just like, no, like, there's a couple plays, but for the most part, everyone is like, okay, rim it around the boards, chase it to the other side, rim it back. But there's no one pushing the middle to try to get the defenseman to follow him to the net. Like, it just felt like it was, I don't know if it's a strategy thing or what it is, but it was just like, I don't understand how there's no one driving to the middle to try to get a defenseman to turn around and chase him or driving to the middle and try to push pull guys to to stop that guy yeah and i think it's part of what goes into the whole shot volume conversation uh, i think it's it's kind of part and parcel with that man i I think that there's yeah i i i don't they, they they have trouble sometimes generating the, the they have trouble sometimes getting to the middle of the ice a lot of times getting to the middle of the ice and kind of what you're talking about that right there is is a good example of it yeah just one more thing i just i the other thing was i just feel like that uh excuse of oh it's bad luck it's bad luck it's a bit a bit ridiculous i think it's Who's, who it's said that a, i don't know i don't know what you're talking about uh, i won't name names i'm not going to get into that we it, just, it was brought up in your in your broadcast, and it just feels like it's it's 
I don't think I don't like, if, if you're talking about Derek referencing puck luck, I don't think he was trying to say they lost because of bad luck. In fact, I know he wasn't trying to say that. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I would okay. say. I just I feel like Lombardi's was right on with the with the, the quality of shots. Like it's great that you have a ton of shots, but if they're all from the outside, and agreed, one hundred percent. And and I think doesn't, that, it doesn't matter, right? Like I think I think we've all kind of talked about that, and it's it's bang on. You they need to do a better job of getting to the middle of the ice, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Thanks. All right, Tammy. Good to hear from you, man. You didn't yeah, even man. mention Markstrom. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I wanted to, but I heard some other stuff. He uh, was good. I would like to see him dive on that puck, but he was good. He kept the minutes, right? So good to hear from you, man. Yeah, yeah. You we'll uh, talk soon. Hey. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Yep. Four zero three two four zero forty four forty four is your phone number. Following tonight's four three overtime loss to the Arizona Coyotes, with Dylan up next. What's up, Dylan? Hey, Pat. What's going on? Not much, man. How are you? Um. Yeah, doing okay, I guess. Um, yeah, another tough one here tonight after a good Sunday. But, yeah, you know, a few months ago on this program, I called in saying that Kadri was, um, you know, here for the money and uh, won his cup. And uh, maybe that was too far to an extent, but, man, oh, man, sure hasn't looked good for for a long time now. Um, not consistently enough, and that's what players paid like him need to do. They need to be very good consistently. It's not just one night here and then one night the other. He's a one-man outfit most nights, and I'm getting tired of it. He's got a good winger in Huberto. He's got to move the box. He's got to make plays, and I'm just – it's getting ridiculous. It's getting to a point where it's too much. Um, they need to try something else. You know, Daryl seems to be a coach that doesn't want to maximize anything, doesn't want to try anything, and I've had, I've had enough. You know, it's just getting to be too much. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing a ton of chemistry with Huberdo and Kadri. I would kind of be of the same train of thought that you're pushing at right there about, you know, maybe not having them together. I, I just, I don't see a lot of chemistry there. I don't see a lot of dynamism. That, that's a word. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, yeah. they, they, they just. Not a, they, they have not at five on five been a dynamic duo on a very regular basis at all. So, yeah, I I don't I don't see a ton there between those two guys. I would absolutely be in favor of potentially splitting them up and uh, seeing what else you could possibly find. Um, and and seeing you know I wouldn't mind seeing Huberdo go back with Lindholm and Toffoli to be perfectly honest I you know and Kadri with whoever uh, and Backlund Coleman with whoever if you want to put Kadri with Manjapani and Dubé again you could try that um, we know that you know Pelche would be just fine I think Pelche would be a great fit with Backlund and Coleman and you know how much I love Manjapani Backlund and Coleman as a line I just I mean they're not scoring they 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 and and especially when you're talking about Kadri and Huberdo, I know Huberdo scored, but I thought he was still far too invisible for good chunks of this game tonight. And Kadri struggled mightily. I just, you need those guys to be difference makers on a regular basis, not once in a while. They need to be difference makers nightly. And so, if that means you got to do a couple of things to juggle it up, I, I think I'd be for it. I mean, and what? I mean, honestly, what have you got to lose? What What would be the point of 
you know, there's not really any, it's not like you're you're riding all this momentum and playing this great hockey and, and you know, trying to win a division. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to, Keep yourself in it. Like, what do you got to lose trying things a little bit differently? And seems to be a little reticence in breaking up. Kadri and Huberto, I'd be all for it. Well, me too. You know, and it's, it's like I said on Sunday there, you know, at this point, what do you have to lose? Or just like you said, but it, you got to start building for next year. You know, honestly, like you have to start knowing what you have and what, what are we going to do? You know, is there, do we have someone on this roster who maybe will fit with Huberto if it's, you know, if it's, whoever right you got to try it and so you know you know and so then you don't end up with a valamaki and just say oh yeah we're done you know see you later but in all fairness i, I wasn't a big fan of him either i was kind of willing to give up too but so i'll i gm of the year i'll take that one that'll be my only mistake ever but um no but they got to start looking at stuff because it's like if you make it you're not i don't know I've, i'm losing faith now at this point it's starting to really 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 uh it's a thin line um they're starting to fall off. They need to know what they have. What can they go with going forward? Because from what it sounds like, it sounds like Daryl isn't going. So you're not going to gain anything there. Um, but Daryl's so hesitant to try. You know, he's so stubborn about everything. They gotta, they gotta find out what they have. Rajishka needs to play. Lucic. There was a stat. I don't know. It's like an, an advanced analytic stat card with Lewis and Lucic and and what they have between the three of them. And it's 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 unbelievable how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Um, They've got to. They just need to know what they have so they can start building towards next year. Because I'm I'm in that boat now. You got to start. Um, got to start getting a roadmap for next year and hopefully turning this ship around without just throwing a lottery ball and saying, "Yep, well, let's just hope we make it and then that'll be it. We won't we won't change anything. We'll just hope everybody turns it around." I'm not here for that. That's garbage. We need to actually start having a plan here. You know, it's actually cool. The Flyers. Danny uh, Danny Briere is coming out and saying, "Yep, we're tearing this down. We actually got to start having a plan here instead of just playing uh, playing that gopher game where you got to hit the gopher and plug up holes. You don't do that with NHL rosters. There needs to be a plan, and we need to start seeing that here now." The interesting part is. Uh... We don't even know who the general manager is going to be next year, so makes that a little bit more difficult, Dylan. Good to hear from you as always, pal. Yep. Thanks, Pat. We'll Th- talk to you later. Okay, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a 4-3 overtime loss in Arizona. Got a couple of lines open if you want to chat on this Tuesday night. Uh, call now and you won't get a busy signal as we say hello to Robert. What's up, Robert? Good evening, Patty. Good evening, sir. Tonight, me and you are going to spar after what I have to say. We're going to have a little sparring on, on Markstrom. But let me get off my chest what I have to get up first quickly. I want to apologize to Nashville Predators. Eight years, eight years in a row in the playoffs. I want to apologize to the Minnesota Wild. See, Patty, <laughs> I, wa- I wanted to us to, to be a contender. No. I wish we could be like Nashville or Minnesota. It's not much, but it's a lot better than what we are. In the last 30 years, except for one year of our Australian rules football, rugby, whatever you, you want to call it, in 2004. I need a patty. I wish we were in Nashville. Nashville, eight years in a row in the playoffs, patty. Did you know that? Yes. Hmm. Second thing, 
I don't get attached to players, but I got attached to one player, and I, he's one of your favorites. Because I think me and you and four other people stood, stood up for this player because the fan base wanted it out of, out of, out of here. Mm-hmm. That's back, Backlund, Bax. Yeah, he's not Crosby, he's not McDavid, but he's the best player in the last 10 years we've had on this hockey club. 200-foot game matchups. He's even, he's even kept hockey players in this league like Colbert, made them better. We're in a paycheck. I mean, you you no. name it. Sam Bennett, Lance Boma, Joe yeah. Colburn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wish we had two or three backs. Because he doesn't complain. He does his thing. He might not be a, the greatest. But I truly like that. Second thing. I want to get on Mark from Patty. Okay. Now we're going to spar. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much energy I have for sparring tonight. No, no, I heard you. I heard you after the game. You're going to push back. Yeah, maybe. So let's push back. Yeah, he's been okay for five, six games. You're not going to get, you're not, first of all, I just, before before you go any further, you're not going to get any argument from, from me that he hasn't, struggled this year he had a by his standards his first three quarters were were pretty brutal he was like he was under 890 for quite some time so like his body of work this season has been well below acceptable uh the last two weeks he's been good but that that doesn't make up for how much he struggled for the first three quarters of the season and by no means would i suggest such because they're in the money is that about being jealous or envy when you got the money, you got to be scrutinized. Being good for two weeks is not good enough. Not good enough. No more alibis for all these players, Patty. I've heard this Uberto thing. Moving over here, he's in shock. This Kadri thing. Kadri, the Stanley Cup he has, you should put an asterisk beside it. Called McKinnon McCarr. It's like Semenko when he wants Stanley Cup rings with Gretzky in them. Kadri should have. <laughs> that's a, lo- that's way, a little. That's a little harsh. I hear you. No, no, Kadri. Don't talk about Kadri, buddy. I'm talking about about Kadri. He's Kadri's a good player who played on a team with McKinnon, McCarr, and he's got a Stanley Cup ring. The way he's playing on this hockey club, he has no business earning that money, and don't even call him a good player because he's not. Well, he Last is. Thing. He is a good player, Last but he is not player. having a good season, especially the last few months. Because of McKinnon, McCarthy, rather than a few players. No, and again, we, you're, we're, we're going to argue semantics here, okay. but he was a big part of that win. Part, uh, and big, he's big. also he's a good hockey player. He was good in good Toronto. He was good in but Colorado. He's but club? he's... Robert, he's. No, we're not going to dispute the fact that he's been really, really. Uh, right. He struggled in a might in a in a huge way the last month and a half or so, and they need him that's to a, be better. And that's too long. A player, I agree. A, I agree. A, he a has been. He has been one of the biggest disappointments. Could not struggle a month and a half, Patty. Robert, you're because Robert. You're, you're not. You're not. I'm not disagreeing with you, man. He's been. Okay. He's been one of the most disappointing players on the team. I'm not disputing that, but you're disappointed because, Robert, hold on. 
Uh, yep. you're, you're disappointing because you have expectations that are fair. Right. For him to for for us to expect 65 to 70 points from Nazem Kadri this year, and for him to be a good two-way center, those are fair expectations because that's right. what he is. He has not right. been that this year. So the only thing I'm right. disputing on is the fact that he is a good player who is not playing yep. very well this season. That's the only yes. thing that I'm disputing, and that's probably semantics. So let's move on. Right. And, that, and to me, my, my, my response to you is a good player, a very good player, not an elite player, should not have those losses to last a month and a half, two months. That's my pushback. Any great player or good player. Do, do, do it's, not probably, it's the, probably fair. So let's, let's move right. on from Kadri. And the last thing, Patty. I'm disappointed, Patty. Disappointed, frustrated, mad. Any word you have. You know, Patty, 30 years this hockey club. Never mind the 80s because, you know, it was a different 30 years, Patty. 30 years. Uh-huh. 30 years. One Stanley Cup, I told you. Rugby on ice. And now, Patty, last thing. This hockey club, I'll repeat it again with all my heart, by all my passion. I was a fool to follow this hockey club for so many years. Not because it's not about the players, it's the jersey. My love the jersey, that's what I care about. The jersey and the colors, not the players, not the managers, the coaches. That's what I love. Patty, this hockey club, I'll say to you again, sarcastically, whatever you said, this hockey club, to watch this hockey club for 30 years, you have to drink more, you have to do more cannabis, and they, the skunk population in Calgary has increased because of them. They stink. That's right. There's a lot of skunks in Calgary, too. Stinky team, stinky skunks, stinky skunk. That's what they did in the city. They even improved the skunk population in Calgary because of this hockey club. Thank you for taking my call. Love you, Robert. Thank you, pal. Um, take a couple more calls before we go back inside the Flames locker room. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Sure did like the, the end of that. That was very clever, Robert. Uh, if you call now, you won't get a busy signal on this Tuesday night. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Let's say hello to Hunter on our Flames Talk postgame show following a 4-3 overtime loss in Arizona. What's up, Hunter? Hey, Hunter. No, you're Hunter. Sorry, I'm Pat. Pat. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Patty. Um, I'm a big fan, and I'm a first-time caller, and I grew up listening to you and um, Rob Kerr. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate your hard work. You really do a good job with this stuff. And you know what? It keeps my mind off some stuff, too. But uh, my first point is that, you know, I played pro hockey, and it's a tough game to adjust to. You know, it it just can't happen. Well, it could, but also, it like it takes time, and um, you got to give us at least one year to get dialed in. And also, my my other, I have a couple points here. Yeah. Um, um, it you know, it's not just Markstrom. You know, um, he's been better in the last couple games and stuff like that. But we can't put the blame all on him, too. You know, he can't. Do, I'm a goalie myself. And, um, you know, it's tough. It's a tough job. You know, it is. And also, Sutter, I mean, sorry. Um, Sutter's style of hockey is just not working in today's game. It's more of a young 
fast game, and it, and then it's also, you know, it's it, it's it's a tough game to adjust to, especially when it's so fast nowadays. And also, my other point was like, um, you got to show up sometimes. You know, if you're getting paid like what every all the previous callers were saying, you know, I'm not gonna lie, you got to show up to mm-hmm. do your job. But also. We don't have the same firepower as we did ha- we did last year. You know, we don't have Kachuk who goes in front of the net and then does the dirty work. And also, we don't have the playmaking that Gujo provides. So that's a, an adjustment in itself. And also, I wanted to say that we're also missing uh, Shillington and um, Gabranson. You know, his, his shutdown style, you know, um, he made his partner better, and you know. Yeah, I think that. I think the fact that you know, had they lost Goodbranson and had Shillington, I think it would be a different story. But losing them both, yeah, I they, they be, because they're both no longer with the team. I think that they miss them both, and that you know, because Shillington here, and I think you're stable in your top six. Good Branson here, you're probably stable in your top six if there if Shillington doesn't come back. Now I get it why the Flames walked away from Good Branson. Paying him four by four just wouldn't have made sense here. Yeah. But for sure, but definitely. yeah, I, I think they miss both of them for sure. Now I think Stetcher's come in and done a nice job of of stabilizing the third pairing better yeah, than it absolutely. has been stabilized this season. Um, but I still think, yeah, they've missed Shillington all year. And there's no here's here's the uh here's the part that I really agree with. I, I don't think that we should be making straight-up blanket excuses for the Flames and, and mm-hmm. why this season has gone the way that it's gone. But yeah. I do think it's worth it to see what happens and and see how some of these guys who have had down seasons rebound in year two mm-hmm. where, there's, mm-hmm. where there's just, you know, all of what went into this season – doesn't exist or at least so we hope next year and if it doesn't if it's still not clicking well then it's bad news but Mm -hmm. if it does click at a better rate next year then then we could be having different conversations and i just think with some of these players with with what they've committed to huberdo and to Kadri and and to uyghur Mm -hmm. and when you're talking about lindholm and so i just think it's worth it to see what you've got for next year and and if it's better great if it's not well then yeah it's a significant problem no, absolutely, and I totally agree. You got to give these big, um, big, big, big money players a chance to just you know adjust and like get comfortable with the new city, the new rink, the new team, the new coach. And I'm not gonna lie, I I definitely do believe that there's a conflict between um, Huberto and Sutter, and that conflict is kind of affecting the team. And I love how they brought Pelche up and then they created that little friends connection. But that's just temporary. You got to give Hugh, because he's, I'm not going to like, like, Patty, um, I, I listened to your talk show and, I, you know, I love you and stuff. And I, I did hear you talk about how that it, it is a big adjustment. You know, it is. It's, and coming from professional hockey myself, it's, it's tough, man. It's, when you, once you get out there and then and try to like play, you know, like it's out of your control. Sometimes if you're if you're if you're not like if you're not performing, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna hurt your team. 
Agreed. And 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 Hunter, I appreciate the call tonight. Uh, good stuff. Call back anytime. Thank you, man. Yeah, I just... thank you. Thank you so much, Patty. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of the talk show. And I, I also met I also met uh, Derek a couple of week, weeks ago in Cochrane. At, oh, you uh, poor soul. You had, to, you had to spend time with Derek? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know he's listening right now. Um, no, no. I really appreciate it, Patty. I'm a big fan. And, you know, um, I really appreciate your work today. Well, thank or, you, Hunter. I appreciate it, man. Be well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, man. And and the 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 point that I think that that Hunter's making on on Huberdeau is that yeah it whether whether you agree with it or not or think it's a viable excuse or not I just think it's worth it to see what year two is going to be like and if year two is a frustrating year um, then yeah alarm bells but with all of what has gone into this season and with what you've already committed to the guy. I just think it's worth it to see what year two could be for Jonathan Huberdeau and if it could be significantly better than year one. Uh, Okay, if you're on hold, stay there. Uh, If not, last call for phone calls, 403-240-4444. Still have a couple of lines open if you want to jump in. So it is last call for phone calls, but uh, you still have time to jump in. And again, if you're on hold, we'll get to you before the end of the show, guaranteed. Our Alberta-made player of the game tonight, brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. We selected in the pregame show Elias Lindholm. He finished minus one tonight, played 1947, had six shots, Eight attempts, three hits, one giveaway, two block shots, and he went 14 for 22 in the faceoff dot at 64%. He was our Alberta-made player of the game. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room following a 4-3 overtime loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Let's check in with Michael Backlund getting his post-game thoughts following a frustrating loss to the Coyotes. Just take us through the, uh, like I said, you were talking about the emotions, but uh, battling back to get a point, but how do you leave this one tonight? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, been this spot before. Uh, it's getting old. Um, yeah, we battle back, uh, but you know, after a big win on uh, against centers, we should come out with more jump and you know take charge of the game um, and play better than we did in the first two periods. And and uh, I mean, they're a hot team. They play well lately. We knew that going in, but yeah. Um, yeah, just disappointed. Uh, we didn't get two points. So is that what kind of stands out as the first period for you? Yeah, I think we could have come out with more jump. Like I said, we came off an, a good win um, where we, uh, you know, scored some, a lot of goals and um, you know, felt like we had a lot of energy and it was a, a fun game to play and it felt like the boys had a lot of jump and uh, these are times we got to carry that over and put right into the next game. How uh, how would you describe kind of the level of frustration with overtime right now, and just you know the way that those seemingly don't go your way right now? Yeah, no, it sucks. Um, you want to get that extra point. I mean, if you look at, I mean, yeah, uh, we have over fifty percent winning record or, or percentage, but if you look at it, we've lost more games than we won this year. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's not happy about it. Those responses though to come back a couple of times to show that you know there's still some fight, and obviously. You know, you'll need that kind of going forward here. Yeah, no, for sure. We're we're gonna fight, keep fighting here. Uh, we know we could, you know, we want to be. We wish we'd be in a better spot, but uh, you know, we gotta f- keep fighting here and uh, fight for every point. And and we know we gotta get get on, uh, rack up some wins here. And um, 
like I said, we got to be better at carrying over from the game before. There you go. Michael Backlund post-game following tonight's 4-3 overtime loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Backlund scored the game's first goal at 8-14 of the first period. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. This is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. If you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings, contact them today for a free estimate for all things basement tea. Visit DLB basementsystems.com Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time then back to the text and the phone calls Let's hear from Jonathan Huberdo who scored the game tying goal in the third period to get the Flames a single point in a 4-3 overtime loss in Arizona Here's Jonathan Huberdo post game from Tempe John, maybe just how much does uh, you know this one's thing given um, you know the opportunity that you guys had late Yeah I mean yeah, we got to come out, you know, with a better effort, we'll see. And it's a type of game, you know, we did the same thing against uh, Anaheim at home. And, uh, you know, tonight here, so it's, you know, we got, we got to get some points. I think, you know, we got one point, but I think tonight we really needed the, these two points. Did you see it uh, as similar types of games, or did they kind of play out differently in your mind? No, I mean, they play, you can see they play with freedom, you know, to make plays and stuff like that, but... I think, you know, we, we have to play harder, especially, like, you know, in the position where we're, we're in. I think, you know, we need to, if we want to make the playoffs, we need to win. So we got to give a, a better effort. Jonathan, you were, I mean, there's a lot of craziness that go on uh, throughout a game, a season. Have you ever seen anything quite like this with overtime where one team just cannot get what it needs the most? Yeah, I mean, no, it's kind of crazy. I mean, Usually I feel you get bounces, but I feel, you know, how many lost 14, I think, and over time it's pretty crazy. So, you know, you do half of them, we get a point, you know, we're, we're in the playoffs. So it's something we're going to have to work on for, for next year. Well, and then even that, you know, you take a look at those last 10 seconds there in regulation. Yeah. One of those bounces, probably that's maybe your best <laughs> looks in the game then. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I mean... I think Raz made a great play. Usually a goalie's going to challenge, you know, the, the shooter and kind of, it was like right there. Try to love the puck, but kind of, I just tried to put it on net. I didn't think the goalie was going to be there. So fortunate, you know, Lindy had a chance to, you know, when we try to score, we try to get the goal. That would have been a, a huge goal for us. Even that said, I mean, you fight back a couple of times and that your goal late there in the third, um, you know, is that, that fight still obviously there in the group and, and important kind of moving forward to, I assume. Yeah, I mean, we didn't quit even though, you know, it wasn't going away tonight, but you know, I think we still got a point. So focus on that. We're a point closer. So we just got to, you know, get going and go in Vegas and get a, a two points. There you go. That's Jonathan Huberdo post-game following a 4-3 overtime loss in Arizona. Back to the text line we go at 969-60 on this Tuesday night, then back to the phone lines after that. Uh, this from Jeff. We have to really wonder if Florida knew that Huberdo was trouble fitting in long-term. He didn't fit with Lindholm, doesn't fit with Kadri. It's so frustrating as a center to play with a winger that is a head case and cancer in the room. His agent doesn't help either. Maybe when Montreal loses out on the Bedard sweepstakes, they'll take Huberdo for a second-round pick, and we can get players that fit and want to play with passion in Calgary. Jeff, I think that's unfair. Um, I don't think that Jonathan is a, a negative force inside that room. I do think that he and he's not alone i think that he and and 
head coach Daryl Sutter have not been on the same page many instances this year, but I think that's true with uh, a number of Flames players. I think that Daryl's approach and the way that it's gone has at times butted heads with a number of important players on this team, Huberdeau included. Now, Huberdeau uh, has been a little bit more in the spotlight because of Agent Alan Walsh making sure it stays in the spotlight. That is very true. Um, and also because Huberdeau is soon to start his record-setting franchise contract at $10.5 million per. I, I, I think it's unfair to say that he isn't playing with passion. I think it's unfair to say that he is a negative force in the room, though. I, I don't agree with that, Jeff. I think that there's a lot going on this year with the Flames. I think it's been disjointed inside that room. I think there's been a lot of growing pains, but I don't think it's just on one guy. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? This says, Daryl needs to go back to the farm and enjoy retirement. Sutter has no clue about offensive hockey, and this edition of the Flames are awful defensively. Markstrom has not been good, but neither is the defensive play of the team. It looks like they've never practiced the power play or have a plan. And over time, it's going to be a tough two years if Sutter continues as coach. This says, Pat, the Flames need to start focusing on next year and getting better. Um and that's all i'm going to read of that text at 960 960 i'm glad i caught that but yes the uh i don't i don't think the focus has turned to next year yet it's funny i i'll use the f1 analogy because in formula one Sometimes you stop developing your car for that year and you turn your attention to next year because you're, here's that term we love, you're intellectually honest about where you are in the season, right? And so if you're X amount of points out of the constructor's title or the driver's title, you say to yourself, yeah, you know what, it's not going to happen. We're probably going to stay in the middle of the pack or the, the bottom tier or whatever, and you turn your attention to next year and you get a head start on developing next year's car, so hopefully you can get on the ground running. And, you know, I think that uh, you take a look at what um, – Aston Martin has done this year even to start the season in Formula One. They get Alonzo on the podium, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe that that mindset worked. I think Williams is a really good example. And I know I'm going a little bit too hardcore because I'm nerding out on Formula One, but my point is there is a time when, yes, I think that that threshold hits on an NHL team. I don't think the Flames are at that point yet. I think St. Louis is. I think that... Um, Washington is probably getting there. Uh, I think that um, you're probably Detroit has probably figured that out. I think Ottawa probably needs to start figuring that out. So I think there is a time when that happens, but at five out of the playoffs with 14 games to go, I don't think it's that time yet. Are the chances unlikely? Yes, I just don't think it's time to completely wave the flag on this season. Uh, this says five points back with 14 games left. They still have a shot. Tell Noah and everyone else who's given up that it ain't over till it's over. Uh, this says, do you think Matthew Phillips gets another shot? I can't help but feel as if they're wasting a future star. Um, I don't. I, I don't think Matthew Phillips is going to be a future NHL star, but I would like to see if there is something there at the NHL level, and I'd like to see him given a real opportunity to show that, and I don't think he's been given that opportunity yet. I don't think this coach believes he's an NHLer, and I just think at some point, 
especially if it becomes clear that it's not going to be a playoff year. And again, I don't think we're at that point yet. I think giving Matthew Phillips some time and giving Matthew Phillips more than seven or eight minutes a night, I think it behooves the franchise and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, This from Mike. Pat, I actually prefer when the Flames perform dreadfully and lose to teams below them in the standings. Uh, Your text and Colin's show is far more entertaining. Uh, This says... From Will in BC, I'm not here to antagonize you, but I would have liked one or two more saves from Markstrom. My biggest complaint tonight, though, is far too many shots by the Flames either missed the net or were right at the Arizona goalie. Some were even in the slot. Look at Dewar's goal off the post and in, but from the perimeter, nice shot. Didn't shoot at the Coyotes logo. Too many guys did tonight, in my opinion. I don't have the answer. Um... What else we got here at 960 at 960? Uh, it's simple. Not a bad room. Not a lack of effort. Problem is save percentage below 900 and a lack of scoring. Flames outshoot most teams but don't score. Simple fact is the Flames lack first line high-end scores. Uh, this reads... I'm going to bed now. Just thought I'd, I'd add an interesting tidbit. Kelly Rudy said with around four or so minutes left in the game after the Flames tied it, and I quote, now the Flames can be more relaxed and go back to the way they're used to playing. I'm guessing you can sense the sarcasm in this text. Pat, we both obviously know this is not a good team. It's not working. Some accountability with management will soon take effect. That comes from Mike from Accounting. Uh, this says, do the Flames have any kind of strategy or game plan for overtime? Too often, Flames players fly into the zone one on three, either try and dangle through traffic or force a low percentage shot, ultimately turning the puck over. Both Anderson and Mangiapane did it tonight. Mangiapane's ended up in the Flames net. Overtime is an east-west possession game. Uh, yeah, the, the overtime thing has just not been great this year. I don't know how to fix it. I think that they have tried. I think they, they've gotten a little better at it but it remains uh, an Achilles heel for them, no doubt about it. This reads, poor puck management from the second half uh, of the first to the rest of the game. All the goals they scored were lucky. We keep saying they can't beat non-playoff teams. Well, the Flames are just that. This reads um, our final text uh, from Brenda. Pat, now they've got the young guys saying we didn't play our best. It's kind of sad. I only saw the third period, but it seemed to me that Markstrom was fighting an innocent shot almost from the goal line to his left, almost snuck in, and lots of pucks bouncing off him. He's been great lately, but maybe only average tonight. Sorry to disagree with you about that. I didn't think Markstrom was incredible tonight. I thought he was fine. I didn't think he was a big part of the issue this evening. Uh, I thought he gave him a chance to win, and I would absolutely go back to him Thursday in Vegas. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. As always, let's get back to the phone lines. What's going on, Steve? Hey, Pat. Uh, I just want to compliment yourself and, and Lou and Derek for the fine job that you guys do. I think uh, you guys work hard and, and provide really good coverage. I appreciate that, man. How are you tonight? I'm good. Um, the team is another question, but uh, I would be waving the white flag right now myself. I think it's time to like start experimenting with different lines and bring up two or three kids from the farm and put them in. Uh, I don't think you're getting the 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 good enough effort from a lot of the veterans on the team right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely um, room to uh, make some changes with these line combinations. I, I think that there's absolutely room to do that. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to see what Huberdeau and Kadri apart could look like because I don't think there's a whole lot happening there with them together right now. Yeah, I'd be in favor of that too, but I just I don't know if Daryl is going to try it because uh, I don't either. Like he just doesn't. Uh... Now, I'm in not, fairness, I, he, he did juggle up the lines pretty dramatically going into the Dallas game. Now, he kept he kept uh, Huberto and Kadri together, but he did yeah. he did make some pretty significant changes to the lines then. So, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I would be very much in favor of seeing a, a different looker. Even at this point, I know... Even, you know, if you if you listen to me if for any period of time, you know my affinity for the line with Backlund, Coleman, and Manjapani. I think there's even an yeah. uh, argument to break them up. And not even break them up because they deserve it, but maybe move things around and not keep that line static. Yeah. We, when you look at, so what do we got now, 14 loser points so far this year? Correct. Yep. I, think, I think that's a direct... Uh, like they can't finish. I think that's a direct reflection of the fact that, that we have too many guys on the team that, that can't finish this year. Like look at how badly we outshoot teams most all throughout the whole season. And it seems like we inevitably lose anyway. And so they're not getting good, good, good enough quality chances. I, I'm not sure what it is, but it's not that there's that many out unbelievable goalies in the league. I think this team just has a tendency of making other goalies look better than they are. This year especially, I think that that is bang on. Uh, there have been far too many nights where shots have been high, but the quality of shots has not been uh, as high as the quantity, and, and I think tonight was a perfect example of that. You know, like I've cheered for these guys. I'm no spring chicken anymore. I've cheered for these guys since they moved to Calgary in 1980. And I mean, I was a kid then, but uh, they haven't had an elite team for like several years in a row since the mid to late 80s and the early 90s. So you're, that's like Badger Bob Johnson and Terry Crisp, that type of thing when they were our head coach. And then now we're in this era for about 20 years, like what Robert was saying. Mm-hmm. I really admire his passion, by the way, but, uh, um, like it's hit and miss. It's, it's one good year, bad year. And it's, it's just like, it's mechanical. It's, you can predict it. It's, it's one really good year than a poor year, a good year, a poor year. It, it may like, why can't we maybe be like a Tampa or a, or a Colorado or, or, you know, some of these high powered teams that they, they get in every year and they give themselves a chance to go all the way every year. And well, like, a few without... things there. First of all, I think it would be amazing because I, that's I, I, not, nothing more that I want for this city than, than the flames to be a, not just a, a playoff team, but a team that has a chance to win a Stanley cup. I think that the fans in this city deserve that. And, and I think it's, it's what you should strive for as an organization, not just to be a playoff team, not just to, to break even um, on your bottom line, but to win titles. Um, and, and it took a little while for Colorado. It took a little while for Tampa. They had to go through some rough years to get there. Uh, this team has, has never, really 
committed to something similar. They came close in kind of the, the early 2010s there in 2013 and 14. Was and that 15. the Young Guns era? Or? No, no, that was like, that was after the Jerome Ginla trade. Um, they, they came close to rebuilding, but then they, they made the playoffs uh, in 2015, and it kind of, in their eyes, I think that they looked at it, ownership looked at it and said, whoa, we just made the playoffs and won a damn round. Well, we're yeah. accelerating this process. And and so they you know, really haven't truly rebuilt at any point here. Uh, they're, they're, not, there... they're not going in that direction right now. And so, yeah, I mean, that... But I, I get I get your gripe. It has been a very frustrating team to watch for the last number of decades. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they haven't been. But is there a way to rebuild in the modern league where you, without like completely blowing it up and finishing towards the bottom, you get you get a, a really high draft pick or two or three? And it, I don't know if there's an other. I don't know if there's another way to. Uh, to to rebuild yourself uh, in the, the way the league is. I'm now. not certain either. I, I'm not. I'm curious to see how it works with St. Louis um, and and Nashville here as they're trying to retool on the fly. Um, you know, St. Louis is not going to make the playoffs. Nashville might. We'll see. I, I, that that the retooling on the fly conversation is always interesting to me. Um, yeah. We'll we'll see. Um, but I think the biggest thing they got to do. And like I think he's a great guy, and he's every time I see him interviewed and stuff, he seems like a, just a, a gentleman. But I think it's time to to turn the page on on Mr. Treleving and uh, maybe try to bring in a young a, a young guy that has some kind of a vision. Or um, like I think it was Logan earlier tonight that was saying that the team just doesn't seem to have a plan, and I I agree with that a hundred percent. They just they just seem to not really have any any kind of a mooring right now. We'll see. I mean, Brad does not have a contract uh, beyond this season, so could very well be a new general manager next year, Steve. That's going to be one of the real interesting stories to watch here over the next number of weeks. I appreciate the call tonight. Hey, thanks, Pat, and keep up the good work. Thanks for the call, Steve. Thanks for the kind words, hey? Okay. Thanks, man. Be well. Uh, two more calls before we wrap things up on the phone lines here on our Flames Talk post game show. Next up is Parsons. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. How are you doing? Good, man. What's going on? Ah, yeah, it was a disappointing loss tonight. I was hoping we at least squeak two out out of uh, those guys. But um, so there's 14 games left. Uh, I did math last game, Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say 96 points is a fair assessment to maybe squeak in? I know it's a little odd question. 96? Yeah. Yeah, I think 96 is a is a decent number that could get you in. Um, I, right now, with their loss, the Jets are probably down to a pace of about 95-ish. Uh, I, think, mm-hmm. I think 95 to 97 is going to be where it's going to land. I don't know if 95 okay. will for sure get you in. Um, I think that 96, 97 probably will. Well, let's say if we're going with 96 um, before this game tonight. So I, I was kind of doing a little weird math, and I, I'm not liking the chances, brother, because we – No, I'm not either. We, the math sucks. <laughs> like, like, listen to this. We'd either have to go 8-0 and 7 – Nine one and five, ten two and three, eleven three and one, 
or 12, 3, and 0. And we already burned up one overtime loser point tonight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... No, the math sucks. There's, there's no doubt about it. They're, yeah. they're unlikely to get there, but not impossible to get there. Well, the way I figure it, if if we have four losses in between now and then, like the end of the season, we're, we're done. So we were close to one. Well, and with, uh, I think the, so if they had four losses, that means the yeah. Jets winning eight times would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I thought uh, I thought Marky played okay tonight. I, I will agree with one of your callers. I thought he looked a little bit tired. Uh, the one thing I worry about riding Marky out, you know, for the long haul here is he is going to get tired. Like, you're going to play this guy 15 games straight? Like, I thought maybe tonight was a good time to maybe slap Vladar in there. Marky's done a See, good I job. See, I wouldn't have week. tonight. I think right now you're in a spot where you can roll him – until he has a game where it's like, okay, well, maybe he's, he's clearly tired. But I think I do think the back-to-backs, I think it would be silly to play him on the back-to-backs. Um, but I think uh, Jacob has not played as much this year. So I, get that. I think that you can ride with him right now. And, and look, right now where they are, they need the best possible lineup every single night. And I think Markstrom starting most nights the way he's playing gives you that. But I, I don't disagree. Maybe, maybe I disagree like in the very, very macro where I said tonight I think they should have gone Markstrom. I had no problem with it. But I do agree with you in a, in a larger kind of um, uh, conversation when you talk about I do think managing his minutes is still important. And I still yeah. think rest is important even though I think there are nights – where going Vladar is best for the team to manage Markstrom's rest. I think there's there's still those mm-hmm. I still think that conversation is valid here down the stretch. Yeah, because you, you, you can't burn Marky out like going down here just to hope to get something. Right. I so, agree. Um yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, we were really flat for a team looking to make the playoffs. That that was a pretty Pathetic effort, I would say. Yeah, um, it was pretty frustrating, and and they yeah. hit the single point, which had they lost in regulation, they would have been full marks for the loss in regulation too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it, it just kind of comes back to you know I think this team you know we have to be real with ourselves with this team. It is really full of a lot of complimentary players, and a lot of players have you know kind of played back down to earth like Kadri and. Um, you know, Huberto and stuff like that. Huberto to a more extent, but um, Manjapani, like, hey, Pat, if you were to ask me at the beginning of the year, would Coleman be beating him in goals or Dubé or Backland or, you know, I would have said no, heck no. But I knew last year was a fluke for him, but. Like, I didn't I'm, think, I don't, I don't think that Manjapani is <clears throat> a 35 goal scorer in this no, league on a regular basis, but I also think he's more than a 13 goal scorer. So yeah, I think I, I think he's a twenty to twenty five guy is is where he probably slots in. That's where I would, and he's going to probably finish below that this year. Yeah, which is pretty bad. So I'm a little scared of that contract moving forward, but we'll see how it is. You know, the weird thing, like what your other caller was saying there, the weird thing with this team is we're good one year, we're bad. We're yes. good, we're bad. So you know, let's. I guess 
we got to flip a coin on next year. We'll see what the off season brings. I'm going to say this, Pat. Mm-hmm. I'm a little. You know, I was the biggest advocate for Daryl Sutter, and even before he came back, I was the one weirdo that says bring Sutter back, and then it happened. I'm starting to get the feeling that there's like an elephant in the room that's, and he's the guy that's making everything unsettled. Whether it be players, whether it be Brad, um, just organizationally. Um, I'm starting to actually get a little bit worried about that, to be honest with you. I don't know for sure if that's what's going on, um, but I do know that I do know that, that it's been tougher dealing with him this year inside that room. I think it's easier when you're winning like they were last year. We're talking about a relentless head coach. There is no let up at any point. I think that that can be difficult in a uh, season like this. I, and I, mm-hmm. I think that that approach works for a period of time. I think that approach works with certain players very, very well. Maybe it doesn't work so well with other players. I don't know if it is the the elephant in the room that you're talking about. I don't I, I don't know that, but because I'm not in there. But right. so I, I do I do know that there have been plenty of times this year where the approach has not worked as well as it did last year. I think there have been certain players where the approach has not worked very well at all. I think Huberto would be the leading example, but I don't think he's the only one. Um, and I'm not even saying that's all on the coach because yeah. I think it's a two-way street. But, yes, I, I do think that it has been more difficult dealing with Daryl this year than it was last year. Yeah, and it just seems to be expanding now. Like, it's not just players. It, it might be upper management. like uh, yeah, it's a little bit concerning because of the inconsistency of this team. Like, there's something up. Like, I've never seen this team this inconsistent for quite some time. Like, going from last year to this year is night and day. No. Yes, we I mean, lost a couple it, of players. It was a significant roster change as well. Of course, of course, yes. But, and no, I, I hear you. I get that. I hear you. I get that. But, I mean, you know, there's a lot of players significantly underperforming this year, too, so. I don't know if we're the like, the only team out there without a 30-goal scorer. We we got two guys in the 20s. That's about it. But Probably not. Like, I can't imagine. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there is a 30-goal scorer on Vegas right now. Um, McCann's got 30 in Seattle. I don't know if there's – does anybody have 30 in Edmonton? I don't think there's anybody with 30 goals in Edmonton this year. Um, Hopkins. Yeah, Ryan Newton Hopkins would be the only one with 30 this year in Edmonton. Uh, if anybody thinks I'm serious, give your head a shake. Pars, appreciate the yeah. call. Uh, we'll, talk, right, we'll talk soon, brother. Take care, man. All right, man. And our final call on the phone lines tonight goes to Chris following a 4-3 overtime loss in Arizona. What's up, Chris? Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. I'm just thinking that, first of all, if we have all these overtimes, and we have half of those were sitting second or third in the West. So that's well, yeah. Issue. So if you if they if they have seven more seven less loser points and seven more times where they win an extra time, we're talking about a team at 
80 points. And, yeah, a team that is in a far more comfortable playoff position. No doubt. Their, well, exactly. their problems in, a, in overtime. Shootout, too, but more so in overtime. It's been a significant problem this year. Now, in saying that, the loser points are, you know, the fact they've been to overtime as many times they have. They've been a lot of times. Um, the, the loser points are also keeping them in this playoff conversation. So I guess it's a, a double-edged sword, depending on which way you look at it. So another major point, and I have talked to Brian Burke about this, is big contracts. And I'm looking at Cadre, I'm looking at Huberdo, I'm looking at the guys tonight. If they're playing hockey, they're trying to play up to the contract and they're trying to do too much to earn their contract. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm really finding out on the ice. And it's just a phenomenon sometimes when a whole bunch of big contracts are given out. I think there is something to that, absolutely. I think that, you know, I I think there is... um... You, you get side to in in both cases. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but I, I think in in you know you get signed to that contract. It puts pressure and expectations on. And if you're a guy who cares, and I, I firmly believe that both those guys are guys that care. Um, you you want to go out there and be that difference maker. So yeah, I, I think there's absolutely something to that. Yeah, and tonight it wasn't Markstrom. And I'm going to give credit for Markstrom, and I've been riding the pine on him, but tonight wasn't Markstrom. Tonight, that overtime goal, he caught it, and he was trying to flip the puck up for a two-on-one. It didn't work, but I have to give an A for an effort. Yeah, I didn't. I, I did not think he was one of the main reasons why they lost this game tonight. There were many other no, reasons. No, what lost the game was giving up a shorthanded goal. That was part of it, yep. That's a big part. And Kadri going out and trying to do too much with the puck and then bang. And So I don't have any problems with the, with the effort or, or the energy or, like, no one gives Phoenix credit. Like, they're 19-11 at home or something like that. So, I mean, there's any team is any given Sunday, just like that old football adage. They all have good players. They especially all have at this players, time of year, and they can too. all win. I think, especially at this time of year, um, that 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 is even more true because when you're playing like Anaheim or Arizona or Montreal, Montreal just upset Pittsburgh. The Penguins are desperate. They lost in regulation on home ice to the Habs tonight. Um, I, I think these teams playing loose. They're they. there is less hanging over them than there are with teams like the flames. I mean, Arizona beat Minnesota on Sunday. I I think, I think it's absolutely a factor. It happens too often at this time of year for it not to be a factor. Exactly. And I mean, the chances to make the playoffs to the guy that was before, I I put it up to 97 points. Okay. So when we had 20 games left, that means we need to win 15 games out of those 20. And now that there's 14 games left, we've won four or three, three and a half. Mm, since I, my math isn't very good. That sounds right. That was the game that we lost to Minnesota, three nothing. So since that, that was, they have won one. They so they got three wins since then. 
one loss and one overtime loss. They're three and one, one overtime one loss. So three and a half wins to your point. And then we have a direct direct uh, direct with Nashville, a direct with Winnipeg. Yes, sir. And then uh, two against Vegas and LA. So I mean, those are the other teams. They got to do that too. So it's still a, it's still a fight left. Yes, absolutely. There's there's still everything on the table to play for. I I like. Is it likely? No. Is it impossible? No. And because there is still, even if it's you know one in a one in four chance that it happens, there's still at this point everything on the table to play for. I'm with you there. Exactly. Chris. It's not out of the water yet. It's not just mathematical. Yep. I appreciate it, man. You have yourself a great night. Hey, Chris? You too, man. I got to get to bed. I'm tired. Thanks, man. <laughs> Me too. Hey, bye. Thanks, Chris. That'll wrap us up on the phone lines. Great stuff on the phone lines tonight. Great stuff on the text line, as always, as we start to uh, wrap things up with our final summary on our Flames Talk postgame show. Here's how this one went tonight. Flames opened the scoring in the first period, a goal that was changed like five times, but eventually finalized on Michael Backlund's 16th of the season. Rasmus Anderson, the only assist at 8-14, and the Flames had themselves a 1-0 lead, but that lead was short-lived. 68 seconds later, Clayton Keller makes it 1-1 with his 30th of the year, first time to 30 for Keller. Uh, Barrett Hayton and Yusuf Alamaki, the assist at 9:22, and we had a 1-1 tie after 20 minutes of play. Early in the second period, period. Arizona takes their first lead of the game. Matias Michelli scores a pretty one for his sixth of the year. Michelli from Jack McBain and Lawson Krause, 55 seconds in to give the Yotes a 2-1 lead. But 68 seconds later, Walker Dewar ties it for Calgary. Dewar rifles it off the post and in for his fourth of the year. Milan Lucic and Noah Hannafin draw the assist at 2.03, and it was 2-2 at that point, and 2-2 after 40 minutes of play. Again, early in the third period, Arizona retakes the lead. A shorthanded goal from Keller, second of the night and 31st of the year, made it 3-2. Keller from Hayton at 2.01, and it was 3-2 Arizona. But again, Calgary ties. This time, Jonathan Huberdeau redirects home his 14th of the year. Huberdeau from Troy Stetcher and Dylan Dubé at 14.59, and we had ourselves a 3-3. Tie. Flames had a couple of chances to win it in regulation very late, but can't beat Connor Ingram. Off to overtime we go. In overtime, it was mostly Arizona in control, and they eventually win it at 310 of the extra frame. Travis Boyd scores his 12th of the year. Boyd from Valamaki and Michelli at 310 to get us to our 4-3 final score. Final shots, 45-25 in favor of the Flames. Calgary 0 for 2 on the power play. Arizona finishes 0 for 1 with the man advantage. Your three stars selected in the building tonight. Number three, Barrett Hayton. Number two, Travis Boyd. And number one, Clayton Keller with the overtime loss. Flames fall to 30-24 and 14 on the season. They're back in action Thursday on the road in Vegas, while Arizona improves to 25 32 and 11. They're back in action Thursday at home to Vancouver. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Peter Labardius, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've been coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. If you have cracks in your walls, 
floors or ceilings? Contact them today for a free estimate for all things basement tea. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, next up for the Flames, Thursday night in Arizona. It is a 8 o'clock face-off, which means our Flames warm-up pregame show gets going at 7 o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Tuesday and a wonderful Wednesday as well. Your final score from Mullet Arena in Arizona. Flames fall 4-3 in overtime to the Coyotes. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Alpine Credits Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is CFAC 960 AM, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A Rogers Sports and Media Radio Station. Flames Radio is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for listening. Sportsnet.ca slash 960 has games and times for the next Flames Radio broadcast. This is a copyright broadcast. No retransmission, streaming, recording, or copying of the broadcast in any way is allowed without the permission of the Calgary Flames Hockey Club and Sportsnet. 960. Calgary's home for the Flames and the National Hockey League is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.